630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. David Center's one timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. He'll swing it out to the outside and it is to the end zone. Touchdown Eskimos. Darrell Walker with the touchdown and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. Are you one of the Eskimos fans who Googled Chris Streveler today? He's going to be the Blue Bombers quarterback for the Eskimos season opener on Thursday. This is with Matt Nichols out four to six weeks. Strevler, 23 years of age, played for the South Dakota Coyotes for the last two years. He is the first rookie out of college to start in week one of a CFL season since who in 1994, Jack Michaels, with the Las Vegas Posse? First Rookie out of college to start in week one of a CFL season. Since who? Since 1994. With the Las Vegas Posse, so it would have been a he would have been a senior in '93. Uh, ooh, boy, that's a tough one. I'm gonna go. One ahead. of the biggest names of the last 20 years in the CFL. Biggest names the last 20 years. Uh, Henry Burris, Anthony Calvillo. Oh, okay. With the he Las played, Vegas Posse. Where did he play? Eastern Washington? Oh, I didn't I didn't check. In college. Yeah, you play? might be right. I don't know. I'm asking. We'll look it up. Ch- Kellen check Calvillo's college. So there we go. Reed Wilkins, okay. Jack Michaels. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched. Eskimos at Blue Bombers Thursday. Countdown to kickoff at 5. Game at 630. Uh, the Eskimos will be favored, though Aaron Grimes has been uh, placed on the suspended list by the Eskimos. Now, this doesn't mean he's done something wrong, but he has had to leave the team to attend to a personal matter. Johnny Adams in the defensive backfield, not likely to play. Arjun Colhoun in the defensive backfield, also not likely to play. So the the young quarterback, Strevler, will have uh, not quite the Eskimos' grade-A secondary to go after. Who was it again, Kellen? Utah State. Oh, it was Utah State. There you go. Utah State. Okay. Uh, uh, so the Eskimos going to... That's in the right into... time zone. <laughs> well, that's all that counts, Jack. Does that count? That's, that's all that counts. You're in the right time zone. I was in the right Small time zone. Small victories for, uh, for Jack Michael. Henry Burris, by the way, Temple. He was Cincinnati. Oh, he was Temple. He was Temple. And he would Who was Cincinnati? He would have... His last year of college would have been 96. So I, at least I was Oh, close. Danny Barrett was Cincinnati. I don't know why I'm randomly remembering that. Uh, Strevler, by the way, against the Eskimos in the preseason, 10 for 10 for 140 yards, including an 80-yard touchdown. But again, it wasn't uh, the Eskimos' grade-A defense. So we're rolling on Inside Sports tonight. The Eskimos coaching show with Jason Moss and Morley Scott coming up at 7.30. That returns for another season here on 6.30. Chad, 7.30 every Monday night. Jack, good to see you again. Last time, uh, last time we saw each other, you were enjoying some northern chicken. I was by, eating by chicken. winning an NBA bet. And the last time you were in studio, uh, we had Theodore Ng in studio, the young man from uh, Grand Prairie who won the uh, auction That's right. to come sit in on the show. So good to see you. And what have you been up to? 
I've been mostly attending my son's baseball games and my daughter's soccer games. Now, so are I'm you very coaching? To, no, I'm not coaching, which I'm sure all the kids in this area are relieved about. Uh, but I will also say that my daughter, I'm very proud of her. She is on, I believe, one of two or three undefeated U15 teams in the province. Oh, really? So they've uh, clinched their Give league the championship. Give the team name a shout-out. Uh, the Sherwood Park Sting. Sting like a bee, you know? So I don't know. I mean, uh, it, they have ye- they have rather hideous yellow uniforms, so maybe that's why they went with Perhaps Sting. Perhaps distracting. Yes, it, they are a little bit distracting, but they're uh, going to be playing in the provincial championships in St. Paul. Oh, you're going to St. Paul again. Well, I won't be going. I'll be in Wimbledon. But my dad is about to understand what it means to drive to St. Paul. You're right. I I did go to St. Paul. You're going to Wimbledon. Yes. In London, England. Yes. Which is in what, like uh, three weeks weeks, it starts? After the draft, obviously, because we're going to the draft. So you're going to Wimbledon. Correct. And making your father come to Edmonton and St. Paul to do your parenting. Yes, correct. That's absolutely <laughs> correct. Jack yes, absolutely. shy away from it at all. Yeah, he'll so, be making that drive. Uh, now, Grant Canton, obviously, yes. uh, from Stony Plain, correct. the head groundskeeper at Wimbledon, he's correct. been on this show, thanks to you. He came in studio a couple of years ago. Unbelievable interview about yeah. the journey, Stony Plain, Olds College, Wimbledon working his way up, and now he's the head groundskeeper there. Great, great, great story. So you know him as well. Yes. So how many times to Wimbledon will this be for you? Three in a row. And and who are you? Do I, dare I ask who you're going with? Like, I'm bringing my wife. Oh, okay, good. I'm bringing. So Emily. you're not leaving her behind no. as well. No. Okay. So no, you it's Emily strictly going. yeah. My my dad. So it'll be a grandpa granddaughter trip to St. Paul. I've also already been to St. Paul twice for baseball. But for baseball, twice in a three week span. They I'm got a dad. UFO landing pad there. That's isn't that the pizza? No, the, well, there's probably UFO pizza. There but is there's an UFO actual pizza. UFO landing pad in St. Paul. Uh, why? In case the UFOs come to Earth, they have a place to land. It's their tourist attraction. Oh, they have a, like oh. Glendon has the big pierogi and someone Elf has Point. dinosaurs. Who has dinosaurs? Drumheller. Well, Drumheller. Yeah, there we go. But there actually were a lot of dinosaurs around <laughs> Drumheller. Were there? Yes. I don't think there've been a lot of I aliens mean, now, around St. Paul. How do they actually prove that? They dig them up. Yeah. Well, the skeleton's not proof for you? So they've actually found dinosaur bones in Drumheller? Is that why they have the dinosaur you're, park? You're playing with me now. A little bit. Yeah, that's a little bit. pretty much what it's I'm not about. a big, uh, what do they call that, geologist? <laughs> I have no skills when it comes to geology. I think I'd make uh, what a very the, what poor is, what geologist. What is the study of dinosaurs? No, the study of uh, what what the, the people that find bones. Isn't that geology? Oh, archaeology? Oh, archaeology, yeah. Like, geology is rocks, right? Yeah, something like okay, that. Okay, so yeah, archaeology. Indiana Jones was an archaeologist. Yeah. Yeah, kind of by trade, but then he turned into kind of... That's, that's the thing with Harrison Ford. He's really good, you know, he was also that professor who goes all crazy in the uh, in the movies, you know. Uh, it was Rage with Samuel L. Jackson. Well, what's the movie where he takes on the Irish guys? He's just a professor, but he winds up saving someone's life in an international incident. What's that movie? I don't know Come if on. I saw that one. Uh, clear and Present devil- Danger oh, clear- was the sequel. What was the original? Original. Patriot Games? Patriot Games, thank you. Was yeah. he in that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, he was the lead guy. That's been a long time. Samuel Jackson was also in Patriot Games. That was kind of where he made his uh where he made his mark. All right, so you're going to you're you're going to Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, now, what's the? Do you get good seats low down yes. the court? Yeah, absolutely. Have you been to a, a men or a men's or women's final? 
Uh, no, I don't go because I, I want to see as many players as possible. Okay. So I go at the tail end of the first week and the beginning of the second week. So I hope to – the best day to go to Wimbledon is Monday of the second week because the top 16, the final 16 mm-hmm. in both men and women are all playing. Right. And I've got tickets for that day, so I'm pumped. Okay. Uh, did you do any doubles or anything like that or just like the singles matches? I'm not really a doubles guy. All right. I mean, if the Williams sisters or something are playing, then I'll check so that out. So is everything you're seeing on center court? Not everything, no. I like roaming around the courts, and my wife and I, you know what? You know what's a good summertime beverage in England that they have is the old Pim's Cup. Have you ever tried the old Pim's Cup? So hang on. If you have not, a, if you uh, have is a, that if conflicting you have ticket, with one of your well, plus I got, alcoholic sponsors? Plus I got distracted because I was looking at the text line. Well, you know, when you have a guest uh, in mos- studio, mos- one of the Coast? most inconsiderate things you can do is get distracted. Mosquito Coast? Was that the movie you were thinking of? No, Mosquito I was thinking of Patriot Coast? Games. You came up with it. I gave you credit for it. Mosquito paleontology. That's the study of the bones. Is the uh, is the dinosaurs? Oh, the dinosaurs. Paleontology. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Remember Ross from Friends? I gotta say this. I I never watched Friends. I'm one of those people didn't. I'm with you. Read. I saw a couple of calls. You and I could really bond there. I think if (laughs) that's rare. Friends is here's here's my analogy. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with an analogy here. Friends, I think. I think has to be construed. Friends is a little kind of. It's a rom com. <laughs> is that sound in the dictionary? It's a, it's you just a rom com. What if I looked up the definition? Of it's a rom com. If you like Friends, then you probably like a movie like You've Got Mail. Never saw it. Or uh, uh, You've Got Mail. Yes. Yeah, sleep- Thank you. That's another one. If you like Friends. Chances are you're going to like Sleepless in Seattle and you've got mail. There's not not that there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, it's a it's a pretty syrupy rom-com in my opinion. And Ross especially, he's always pouting. Was that I mean, David Schwimmer? Yeah, wouldn't you like to I mean, his all he always had that like <laughs> pouty you're, face. You're big into the sounds tonight. Yeah, but what I mean, Ross is a kind of a guy where you look at him long enough and you really want to punch him in the face. So if you have a ticket to Wimbledon, yes. So you walk in, yes. We, we've got on about four different asides here. Uh, absolutely. Slowly working the way back to whatever topic we we're going to talk. I mean, about. people have to agree with me about Ross. I would think. Oh, probably. Because if you disagree with me, you're not a person I necessarily want to meet. You text six thirty six thirty. Lamest character on Friends, <laughs> oh, and you can right. say anything to me because I couldn't name the six character names. It should was be Ross Phoebe? by a mile. There yep. was Phoebe, Phoebe, Lisa Kudrow, yeah. Heather. No, there's not a Heather. Uh, who did Jennifer Aniston play? Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. And then Courtney Cox was. Uh, and it wasn't there. Monica. A, wasn't there a Joey played by Joey a guy named was Joey? Matt LeBlanc. Oh, Matt LeBlanc. Okay. And then he did a. I think he did a spinoff that lasted uh, okay. ten minutes called Joey, or yeah, something like that. All right. And then the other guy was Monica. Um, the other guy was Matt Perry, Matthew Perry. And there was a Monica. Yeah, Monica was Courtney Cox. Okay. And then she, you know, that, then she became Courtney Cox Arquette. And then they did something yeah. cute during the opening credits called Arquette. The reason I and now I'm rambling on like I know way too much about a sitcom that I've just made a lot of fun of. But the reason I have is no matter who I happen to be with in my life, and most most importantly and most significantly, my wife. Uh, that female in my particular life at that time, or a group of females, as it were, when I was single, they loved watching Friends. So, I mean, it was on in the background. So you have a ticket to Wimbledon. Yes. Jack Michaels will finally finish that sentence when we get back. All right. Hi, 
this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Jack Michaels, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers in studio. My name is Reed Wilkins, Toronto leading Tampa Bay 4-3 in Major League Baseball. It's the bottom of the fourth. The Edmonton Prospects are in Brooks tomorrow. Over the weekend, they won a couple of home games against Fort McMurray Friday and Saturday, lost in Okotoks yesterday, their next home game Friday at 7 against Lethbridge. Okay, so I'm curious. So you go to the All England Tennis Club. Yes. And, and so you have a ticket. Does this mean you have a specific seat in a spe- at a specific court? Can you wander around a bit and find a match? How does that work? Well, Reid, I'm glad you asked that. And I'll tell you... There's two, there's actually four different kinds of tickets. You can have general passes, in other words, grounds pass. And that gets you into every court except for court two, court one, and center court. Okay. All right. Then you could have tickets for either of those other three courts. You have tickets for that court, and you can go to the other courts. If you're, in other words, if you have court one seats, you can go to the other courts, but not court two or center, okay. because those three courts are the only ones with the signed seats. All the other courts are come as you are. First, first come, first serve. You got your grounds passes. You're on there. So there's a lot of like running around to different courts to catch different matches. I actually saw a really good Milos Ronic match a couple years ago. Happened to walk in at the right time. He was playing Andreas Seppi of Italy, and I had literally first row right behind him. I mean, he was right in front of me. Right. Yeah. Well, how small in terms of seating are some of the it, side? Oh, courts? Oh, some of the side courts are some of the side courts are as few as probably 600 people. And like there's some bleachers in a yeah, th- in but a then there's then there's seats you know court three and court sixteen that probably have four or five grand. Okay. So that's you know and then you got court two which is I would roughly say is about ten grand. Court one would probably be twelve five, and then center court whatever they say yeah, the center court capacity is I think it's up to about but 14, but early 000. early in the tournament you could get some really good Absolutely. players playing on one of the the smaller courts and because the, there's so many matches. Well going and on. then the other thing is. For a guy like me who's a bit of a junkie, is it's kind of cool to watch like a Federer or Djokovic warm up on an outside court. Oh, okay. Because there's nobody there, and so you can get right in right in front of him and why? Like, trust me, watching Federer warm up for an hour for me is more interesting than 85 percent of the matches. Oh, I see. Just because okay. I mean the proximity is pretty cool, and you also get to meet some pretty interesting people. And by interesting, I mean borderline nuts. <laughs> In terms of oh, just I mean I I met a lady last year who was not kidding. She had in her heyday she used to follow Feder. She she'd see him if he played thirty two weeks out of the year. She'd see him twenty eight. I mean she had every I mean she had everything I've ever seen Feder. Right. And she was just very eager to show me all the little notes, all the little pictures she had. I mean it was she had met him and gotten Yeah, it's one of those people pictures. where you know me, you know the body language and I mean you could see me leaning trying to get out of that conversation cuz she was a bit bit of a nut bar. Uh, all right, uh, Bretsky, we will talk about Milan Lucic uh, in the next half hour of the show. Uh, the Big L says, is Jack going to give away his Wimbledon tickets for the correct answer to a friend's skill-testing question? <laughs> uh, this texture says, if if Jack walks into Wimbledon and sees David Schwimmer, does he punch him? <laughs> that text punctuated with an LOL. 
another texter says, is this a sports show? What a bunch of useless info, waste of time, question mark? Oh, I don't think it's a waste of time. And several people agreeing Ross is the lamest character on Friends. Oh, and Cow says, hey, guys, that's a great handle, Cow. This when you text into Chad, what do you call yourself? Cow. I'd sooner you sign even a handle rather than nothing. Uh, Cow says, hey, guys, Drum Heller, one of the largest deposits of fossils in the world. Check out the Royal Terrell Museum, where I assume you've been now living in Edmonton for nine years. I've never been to oh, you got to go to Drumheller. It's great. Yeah, well, the said, thing is, is my kids weren't interested there. in dinosaurs. They weren't. They never were. So that's why I never went. But I've heard it's I've heard it's cool. I have a hard time with the whole archaeology thing. It's not something that necessarily interests me. It should. I'd like to have it as a hobby, but I, I don't have any interest in it. Well, it's where we came from, right? I mean, humans evolved from yeah. dinosaurs. No, I, I want to be interested in it, but I, I'm not. I just, I just slipped in there, that. But don't, don't you, aren't there subjects where you're like, oh, it'd be cool to be like that guy, but you're not interested in that subject at all, so you can't be that guy or girl, as the case may be. I mean, do you do you know what I'm saying? No, it didn't follow that at all. I was just going to move on. No, but like having a skill set. Like I, I have a lot of respect for people who can do their own home renovations. Oh, I. But see I don't have saying. any interest in learning how to. Yes, do it. that's what I'm like specifically yeah. with home renovations because my right. dad is very. Yeah, handy, your dad as is you know. skilled. Your dad's got skills. Uh, yes, and I'm just like I. Uh, thankfully, my dad will do it for me. Right. Or I can just, you know. You'd like to have that. Or when I help set. my dad, I'll be like, okay, today I'm going to help my dad. He's got a little project, and it usually turns into him like, hey, this needs right. to be plugged in yeah. instead of this, so go switch it. And, and then you're the you're initially helpful for the first 30 minutes, and then you drift off and end or up. Or he just swapping. knows, like, he can yeah. do it himself. Yeah. I- anyway. Please get out of my way, son. It is 626. We'll break for the 630 news. Uh, we will talk about all the uh, Milan Lucic rumors with Jack when we get back. We'll touch on Alex Ovechkin and some of the cup celebrations and the uh, Larry Brooks article out of the New York Post basically saying Ovechkin's still Give a loser it a and always I mean, will be. come on. Well, that's just... Well, we'll, we'll, You're a Hall of Famer. We'll, we'll be better. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll touch on it. Uh, <laughs> you can text 630-630. Phone number is 780-496-0063. Oh, and for more on the Eskimos on this quarterback that they're going to face on Thursday, go to the article Dave Campbell wrote on the Eskimos page on 630chet.com. We're coming right back. Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. By Andre Sekra, swings it off the boards to Matt Benning. Now Dreisaitl hits Lucic in stride. It drives, scores! And there it is, Milan Lucic's first goal in 30 games. He would score just once in his last 46 games, scored on December 23rd. Scored that on March 5th, and Milan Lucic has been a hot discussion point in the last week or so with uh, a lot of uh, rumors and and speculation that 
uh, and and there's enough there that you think maybe something is going on with perhaps the, some discussion. Would you waive your no move clause? Uh, you know, this is the Oilers asking him, or uh, him maybe being willing to go somebody else. It uh, it went incredibly poorly for Lucic. Uh, you know, the one goal in the last 46 games had a lot of tough nights, where uh, the only time you noticed him was when he, he made a he made a bad play. Now he also had some games where he was involved and he was around the net. I mean, I can remember four open nets where he hit the post or shot wide. Uh, so, you know, he wouldn't. if those go in, it's still not a great goal total, but maybe we're talking about it a little better. Uh, Reed Wilkins, Jack Michaels, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. This, this is a tough situation. And again, uh, you know, and I've heard some things myself that Lucic might be, uh, you know, open to the Oilers looking to see if there was another destination um, for him. Um you know, I know. I know. There's a, a lot of rumors. I don't like to get into gossip, but people ask me well, what's going on off the ice with Lucic. I don't know if there is, or if there is anything. But clearly, on the ice, it was tough. The thing is, for me, Jack, um, I I don't know how the Oilers, and, and we'll see if and when it does happen. I don't know how they get something productive out of a Milan Lucic trade if it does go that way. That's going to be tough. Well, the Oilers have to rid themselves, and this is not necessarily recently, but you know, two or three years ago, I'd say Edmonton was stuck in this rut of constantly, you know, selling low. I mean, when they traded Justin Schultz, it was you know at an absolute low. Uh, they didn't trade David Perron. I think you know David Perron had a 28 goal season. They didn't move him. They waited until he was in a bit of a goal-scoring slump the next year, and I think they moved him when he had about five goals, right. and they moved him. Uh, look, I, I think with Milan Lucic, number one, a deal would involve Edmonton once again you know, buying relatively high in terms of what they signed him for and selling relatively low. Secondarily, I think it's quite possible there's a bounce-back campaign or two ahead of Milan Lucic. I don't think just because you have a bad year, it means your career is over. Sometimes it does. Well, but that's just the thing. As, you don't know, right? You just as know. often it doesn't, though. I mean, we're still talking about a 30-year-old hockey player. He's not a 35, 36-year-old hockey player. You know, he's not Ryan Smith at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, I mean, he could be. We don't know that. But, we, you know, with Ryan Smith, you knew when he came back to Edmonton, he probably had one good year left. You know, just because there's only so much tread on the tire, right? right? And Ryan Smith played a lot of hard years in the National Hockey League, as Milan Lucic has had. But instead of Smith being 36 when he came to Edmonton the second time, I mean, we're talking about Milan Lucic theoretically still very much in his athletic prime. He also does not have, you know, a concussion history. So people are going to say, or quick to maybe lump him in with a Ryan Klo. Well, it was different. I mean, Ryan Klo was dealing with severe concussions. You know, Milan Lucic is healthy. Uh, He's got to get his mindset for next year. And when I talk about that, I'm not so much worried about any of these off-ice rumors, just from a confidence standpoint. When I say he's got to get his mind right, he's got to get his confidence back. Yeah. The only way you get your confidence back is to get off to a good start because the tough thing for Milan will be to dig his way out of the hole if we're 15, 20 games into next season. And it's still, and it's yeah. still not coming for him. He needs a good start. Uh, the Oilers need a good start. I'll tell you what, Edmonton's not going to have an easy time of it, Reed, if we're 20 games into the season and the Oilers have six or seven wins. Because well, ev- people will lose their job uh, if that happens. Well, uh, very, maybe, very but, likely. but also 
practically speaking, what Edmonton found out is how valuable that 7-1 and one start was. Sure. As opposed to muddling along and working so hard just to get back to 500 at Christmas time. That takes a lot out of you. The day-in, day-out grind of the National Hockey League schedule compounds itself by three and four times when you're chasing games and chasing seasons. You know, I, I was watching Craig Button, former NHL GM on uh, on uh, TSN That's Hockey today, and, and he made the good point. You know, David Clarkson, don't forget, David Clarkson was traded to the Vegas Golden Knights for a first-round pick in for a first round pick and then a 20 round pick and 20 second round pick in 2019 for future considerations you know what the future considerations were please take William Carlson and not one of our defensemen I mean uh, unbelievable how that worked out for Vegas and and Button was making the point you know can the Oilers afford to trade Lucic and a prospect just so the other team takes on that contract I think you're better off. I mean, assuming he he still wants to play here and and can take you know find a way to take that deep breath and get some confidence back. I still think you're better off hoping for a bounce back year, and then if it doesn't pan out, well then maybe you're in a buyout situation for the last four years instead of the last five. But that's that's going to be a tough trade to make and get something of value back for the Oilers because I mean, what are you going to do? Like I know you know Bob was talking about stuff today. Like okay, David Backus, Andrew Shaw, like Louis Erickson. Like these are not a players to get back so that's the situation you're in you're either sweetening the pot just to get rid of the player or you're taking another potential underperformer back so that's why to me the best possible solution is still hoping he recovers his game well and the best possible solution is you've got a guy who's battle tested in the postseason and your team returns to the playoffs that's really the best possible solution i think you know another potential scenario read is if the oilers don't have the type of season they're looking for next year maybe you get enough productive minutes out of lucic during the course of that to potentially move him to a contender at the deadline who sees that this is the kind of guy that might get us over the hump. Right. Uh, but I still think it's it's quite possible he's going to be capable of a, a bounce back year or two. There, I mean, there's such a thing in the National Hockey League as, you know, guys who have an off year. And there's also such a thing as, as teams having an off year. I mean, look, there's there's teams in the history of this league that have had, you know, tough years and come right back. The Pittsburgh Penguins in 1989 were within a game of going to the conference final. They had a 3-2 series lead on Philadelphia. The next year, they missed the playoffs. The year after that, they win the Stanley Cup. I'm not... Look, I'm not trying to draw too many comparisons. No, I know what you're saying, because you can always find comparisons the other way. But you don't exactly. know until it plays out. It's it, There is such a thing in sports as having an off year. Look at, look at let's go to individual sports. Look at what's happening with Nadal and Federer. They've won the last six tennis grand slams. The last time that happened was 12 years ago. Right. I mean, so there is such a thing. Sports is cyclical, and I think careers are not always, you know, straight upward progressions and then a straight drop-off. For Milan Lucic, I I think a good start would do a long way towards not only resuscitating his career and his confidence, but also the team's as well, because I still think he's a vital part of that team. I still think Connor McDavid doesn't get a lot of people in his grill because Milan Lucic is on the team. 
Uh, I still think Milan Lucic has value, even when he's not necessarily putting up numbers. And for me, if Edmonton has a successful season and Milan Lucic is scoring 15 goals and 40 points, sure, he's not a 20-goal, 55-point player anymore, but who cares? Your team's back in the playoffs. We'll look at Lucic's seasons and production a whole lot differently if the team around him plays Well, better. sure, when you when winning can make guys right. who might have had tough years individually look a little better and you know losing can make a guy no not that Lucic well it, it amplifies the bad seasons right absolutely if yeah uh, I mean, if he has 10 goals and 34 points and the Oilers go to the conference final last year they're saying well Lucic had an off year imagine what right imagine what the team will do if he bounces back next year instead of what do we do with Milan Lucic's contract? 642 Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Reed Wilkins, Jack Michaels joining me in studio. He's the play-by-play for the play-by-play voice for the Oilers on Chad and the Oilers Radio Network. So Larry Brooks, the New York Post, and this is if just to refresh people's memories, this is the Brooksy, as John Tortorella lovingly called him during many of their exchanges. He wrote, and now Larry Brooks is a columnist in New York, so competitive market where, uh, you know, I'm sure your editor is often encouraging you to write the... Uh, he wrote about Steinbrenner's we're, we're, Yankees. We're talking about it. I mean, we're talking about it. a veteran beat writer. Yeah, a veteran beat writer. But he basically said, right. you can find the article online, he basically said, good for Alexander Ovechkin. Oh, by the way, this doesn't change the fact he was a loser for 12 years. That's basically what he's saying in the article. Well, that, the headline doesn't do Brooks's column any favors. True. But... You're right, Reed. The substance of his is, lest we forget, he still lost a lot. You know, I mean, Larry Brooks is is going to the Hall of Fame, and he can turn a phrase. I think the body of his work suggests that he should be in the Hall of Fame, but this is a bit of a wet blanket piece. This is some guys at times write pieces in search of being contrary, and this right. strikes me as an article that's and you and that's I a bit of a contrarians reach. on yes, in our absolutely. Lives at some point. Oh, there's no doubt about it. But I think that there is a there there's a, there's a difference between sometimes presenting something and saying, hey, you know what, I know what everybody thinks, but I was just wondering this, as opposed to going in and saying, yeah, you won the Stanley Cup, whatever. Right. You suck. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you, and I think it's it's a piece that strikes the wrong chord. I think, you know, even, and and it strikes me as really odd because uh, Brooksy's always about, you know, kind of, uh, poo-pooing the NHL and its ability to carry itself like a major professional sports league. He's very critical of the NHL. He's always on the player's side when it comes to uh, labor negotiations. He's always hammering the NHL about its general you know, PR look and its, its you know, kind of uh, clearly the four sport. I mean, he's one of those guys who hammers. And now, instead of celebrating a high time for the sport, which, of course, is what he criticized the league for always doing. Right. He's kind of just, you know, being the wet blanket and, and reminding everyone of all of Ovechkin's and his team's failures. And part of it, I think, is a little bit of a New York dig because the Capitals oh, for sure. three straight years lost a Game 7 of the New York Rangers. And in two of those three years, I think, were the better hockey club uh, and didn't get any breaks. This year, the Capitals got some breaks. They got a crossbar hit uh, in Game 3. I think Cam Atkinson might have hit the crossbar in Game 3 and over 
overtime. Well, and how about Eller's goal? Yeah, I mean, talking about getting same, the game, yeah, same, same game, same game. Yeah, but you know what? I think the Capitals. If you take a look at some of those series, and especially the Rangers in 2015, they were owed a few bounces. And I'm, I'm. This is coming from a Pittsburgh fan and a and a guy who's kind of celebrated Washington's long legacy of postseason failure. I was happy to see that team win, and it's a credit to Ovechkin. I don't remember waiting for the cup, a team kind of arm in arm. The Capitals looked to me. There was an extra energy about that celebration. Uh, yeah, there was, and 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 uh, and maybe you know that tight knit group. Sometimes is a cliche. Read that was that was a team that really looked like they love the journey and and they yeah. were they were glad to be teammates of each other and i have a lot of respect for that when i and, see and it and i don't and i don't have a, a problem and again there are some wet blankets out there about yeah. this too uh, you know, and now everybody's got a phone and there's nothing private when you're a washington capital with the stanley cup in public but what like have fun like okay enjoy it you know sure some of it might be like oh, okay let's I don't know little animal house a little but little animal good. house yeah. but uh, yeah and the the point of the Stanley Cup is the players and that was the and I I talked about this on my show last week and the, the other three major leagues you know the owners on there on stage and I loved the the cup celebration with the Capitals Ted Ted Leonsis the owner of the Capitals. A didn't jump in right away, and then he was standing like he was making sure he was the last guy. Like every the 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 kid who you know goes right. and buys a roll of tape for the sticks once a week. Got Another gesture, cup. which I right. I that's a good catch by you, Reed, and I agree with you. I noticed it, and it it reflects well on the owner of the Washington Capitals. Look, the Stanley Cup trophy is it's the greatest trophy in all professional sports. You hear athletes across the board say that, and it's the hardest to win. It's also a trophy to be celebrated. This is a trophy that was kicked in the Rideau Canal. Let's enjoy it, right. okay? <laughs> if it's spent a little time in the fountains or whatever, big deal. It's yeah. a cup that's seen a lot <laughs> over the course of its 100 years. All right? <laughs> Still coming up on the show, Jay Ball, the general manager of FC Edmonton, uh, will talk about FC joining the Canadian Premier League for next fall, but a lot has to happen. He's my next-door neighbor. You know that, right? Oh, excellent. At every game at Rogers Place. He's my next-door neighbor. Oh, yes. He sits that's right, right to yeah, my he left. Is up. He does the, uh, the uh, press box, uh, yes. press box announcing. Tampa Bay leading the Jays 5-4 in uh, the top of the sixth. One more segment with Jack when we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Eskimos season opener Thursday, 5 o'clock for the countdown to kick off the game at Winnipeg. We'll start at 6.30. Dave Campbell, Morley Scott, Blake Dermott will be your broadcast crew for that one. It's going to be fun on Friday, June 22nd. We'll have coverage of the first round of the NHL draft. We'll bring you the Oilers' 10th overall pick live, and then we'll take you right into the uh, Eskimos pregame show around 6.30. Game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats will start at 8. That is Friday, June 22nd. Uh, Hamilton in Calgary this weekend. Johnny Manziel will not be the starting quarterback. Will he be, and if so, by what date, Jack? And he's backing up. Uh, I know Jeremiah Masoli. Jeremiah who had a really good year. Half he did second last a half year, right? Or second half of last year. Yes. It's gonna be it's gonna be tempting though. Now, what's the Hamilton fan base like if they get off to a tough start? Well, I mean, well, that's pretty. Do they have to worry about tickets? They got that new stadium. It's Tim only a couple years field. old. I would doubt it, but I mean every CFL team worries. Well, they got off to an zero eight extent. start last year. Yeah, and then they actually Correct? were were pretty competitive right. after that. My my hunch my hunch is if they're zero and three or zero and four, it's Johnny time. 
it's Johnny time, even if Mazzoli's off to a decent start statistically. I, that's my hunch because there will be some pressure, Reed, to to keep the ticket sales up because an, another tough start like that could put them behind the eight ball a little bit because they're in year what three or four of that stadium. You know, you don't want to you don't want to be trying to sell tickets in August for an zero and seven zero and eight club. So there's going to be a little bit more pressure, I would think, from the front office. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, to get Johnny on the field if they're struggling out of the gate, you think that's too much of a reach? No, that's fair. That's fair. But I think they will be. I think they will be better. June Jones is. The, you know who the defensive coordinator is? Jerry Glanville. Yeah, <laughs> isn't yeah. that amazing? Yeah, Jerry Glanville's got to be in his mid seventies. Kind of pushed Kent Austin aside. Then. And what Jerry, kind of they have? Jerry Glanville uh, orchestrated one of the best and yet most forgotten defenses in the history of the National Football League. The Grits Blitz Atlanta Falcons of 1977. Oh, they didn't geez, make the play. Back. They didn't make the playoffs, but they gave up something he like 10 points a game. He was the one that punched another coach though. No, that was Buddy Ryan. Well, that was Buddy Ryan. Yeah, Buddy Ryan punched Kevin Gilbride. Jerry Glanville... He changed changed the Falcons to all black. Yeah, he changed... He used to to leave the tickets for Elvis. That's for that. He also got in a post-game squabble with Chuck Knoll. And uh, and also uh, Sam White hated Jerry Glanville so much, he was up fifty four to seven, <laughs> Bengals over the Oilers, and he onside kicked and got it, and then scored on the last play to make it sixty one to seven. That's incredible. That's an eighty nine game. We need more of that. All right, so look, here's what I'm saying to wrap this other topic up, Jack. Lucic? And I wanted to, I've always been, because that was an era where I was in my 20s and the Bulls were great, oh. and I didn't really have a favorite team. Right. Uh, but I appreciated Jordan, and I was always reluctant to say LeBron, because it's easy to say the most recent thing. Yeah. I just, and, and, and look, doing we're it. splitting hairs, because we're at the top two guys in the history of basketball. But I just think LeBron's all around. Now, who's a better scorer? I would still say Jordan. Well, do, do you think it's better, the 10 scoring titles as, as compared better, to LeBron's one? As a better okay. all-round player. All right. You got the size. You got the rebounding. You got the wingspan. You got the defending, though Jordan became an excellent defender. I would have – that's why I now give the slight edge to LeBron. Jordan was a great rebounder for a guard. He was also 6'6", 210 pounds. LeBron's well, – He still still was a big guy. LeBron's 6'9 sure, and a half and Magic was a 6'9 guard. Right, but he he was a point guard. I mean, LeBron's, you know, well, LeBron Magic is, played. Right, but Magic, he was a point Magic guard. Magic played more like a small forward, really, as his career evolved. No, not really. He, you he, don't was, think a, so? he was a point guard. Yeah, but he, he brought the ball up, but he did a lot of other stuff, too, in terms of where he could score from. And going to the hoop. Well, I mean, he—that's what I'm saying. He, he developed he a baby a sky hook in the late eighties. He 80s. wasn't a traditional. I mean, no, because he was six nine. Yeah, he wasn't. He played center in Game Six of the exactly. 1980 NBA so Finals. So he was outstanding too. But then I was thinking, because I knew I was going to bring this up today, I said, you know, LeBron in my mind, slight edge as an all-around player. And then I was thinking to myself, though, if I needed one guy to hit the last shot at the buzzer. I would take Jordan. But then I thought, no, actually, if I had any choice, I'd take Bird for a last shot at the buzzer. I, I think you're, I, I mean, we're talking about 10, te- 10 times All-NBA defensive team, LeBron won. 10-time scoring champion, LeBron won. You're, six NBA championships, LeBron's got three. LeBron has taken worse teams further. Right. But that's about all he's done. Look at that's Jordan's. about all he's done. <laughs> I mean, no, it, over Jordan. That's, that's all you can really say. 
about LeBron doing something better than Jordan because Jordan was as good a rebounder for his size as LeBron is. Look at Jordan had seasons where he averaged six rebounds a game. LeBron's 265 pounds. He's 50 pounds more than Michael Jordan. I mean, he's he's a big guy. Yes, He's going to rebound that, that more. Factors into, but that factors into the ability and therefore the all-around Well, that's game. like saying like he's better because he was you, taller. You, you, can't say, Mug, you can't say Muggsy Bogues is a better rebounder than LeBron because he was 5'3 and got rebounds. Jack, we'll have you again again. Thanks for coming. I can't believe that's the last word of this show. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.